we get started in service. I was an orphan. I was an orphan. I was an orphan. I didn't know my father. I was alone. Helpless. Helpless. I had no family. I didn't belong to anyone. To anyone. To anyone. I was an orphan. No one saw me. No one knew me. I was invisible. I was lost. I was lost. No one claimed me. No one said, he's mine. She's mine. I was an orphan. I was an orphan. I was hungry. Like all the food in the world couldn't fill me up. I was vulnerable. Unprotected. At risk. Cold. Tired. 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 I thought I didn't matter. I thought no one cared. No one cared. I was an orphan. I was an orphan. I was an orphan. But I was found. But I was found. I was found. Someone stepped in. Someone saw me. I was sought. Pursued. Wanted. Known. I was an orphan. But now I belong. Now I belong. Now I belong. I'm embraced. A sister. A brother. I know my father. I know my father. I know my father. I was an orphan. But I am loved. At great cost, I am restored. I am restored. And for the first time, I know that I am valued. Prized. Forever. 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 I was an orphan. I was an orphan. I was an orphan. We're all orphans. So I care for orphans. So I care for orphans. I was an orphan. So I care for orphans. Yeah, that song we just sang earlier talks about how Jesus um, doesn't leave anyone behind. And, and I, for one, want to follow in Jesus' footsteps and not leave anyone behind as well. Um, you know, our, our vision as a church, we are a global community of Christ followers. I love that idea of being a global community. That we care not just about the people within the room, this room on Sunday mornings. We care about people all over the world that are part of our global community. Whether that means in, in Mexico or in India or in Haiti or in Nigeria. I tell them when I go there, you're a part of our global community. We care about you. We love you. So here's what I want to do this morning. This morning I want you to be ready to uh, consider things that you've never maybe considered before. And to, to be ready to do things in Jesus' name that you would maybe have never dreamed before. Now, I understand how important it is um, that we, as the body of Christ, come together as the body of Christ to lift up our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And in doing so, how important it is to reach out and impact the lives of those around us. And to understand how important you are to all of that, and to understand how important it, how important Orphan Sunday is, I wanna, I wanna share with you some statistics. I wanna share with you some overwhelming numbers that will, that should, honestly, it should break your heart. It should break, it should break all of ours. 
143 million. There are 140, over 143 million orphans and at-risk children around the world. 143 million. And any time there are 800,000 children each year in our foster care system. There are 500,000 children in our foster care system right now. 500,000. There are 129,000 children right now waiting to be adopted within that whole system. There are approximately 25,000 children who age out of foster care every single year. And so many of those children, most of them, most of them have no real connection. So they leave and they're basically there. They were orphaned, if you will, within the system. And now they're adults who feel like they're orphans because they feel no connection to anyone. And they have very little life skills. And so that has such a profound impact on their lives. And I want to give you a few statistics that are just to me, this is staggering. Over 60% of the, of the people, children and adults that are tied to sex trafficking came out of the foster care system. Think about that. Think about that. 60% of those engaged, involved in, tied to, okay, enslaved to, if you will, sex trafficking came out of the foster care system. This is another one that just blew me away. In many states, over 50% of the males in the prison system came out of foster care. 50% of the adult males in prison in so many states came out of the foster care system. Because people aren't engaging in their lives. People aren't investing in their lives. It's just, those are staggering numbers. More than, um, if you ask the question, okay, well, how many children have been adopted, okay, in in a year? How many children get adopted in a year? You're talking 800,000, 500,000, 143 million kids are, are, are orphans or at risk. And then how many of those kids are adopted? And the numbers between 118,000 and 127,000 children a year since 1987 per year, okay? So you start looking at that's a little, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's a lot of kids who are not getting adopted, a lot of kids who are not being a part of a family, and they're out in the world with this disconnect, this broken, this brokenness and this broken heart. More than a third of Americans have seriously considered adoption in their lives. But in the end, only 2% Usually under 2% of people actually adopt. Now, with this many orphans in the United States and around the world, the church has a monumental, I want you to think about this, the church has a monumental task of trying to live out what God calls pure and true religion. In James 1.27, it says, Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. We are responsible to look after orphans and widows in their distress. That means, boy, there's a lot, for us as a church, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. See, the uniqueness of Christianity, I'm going to jump into theology a little bit. The uniqueness of Christianity is that man 
never first pursues God. It's not man pursuing God. It is always that God pursues us first with his love and with his grace. That God adopts us. He calls us. He adopts us into his family to be his children. He pursues us. Even our desire. Even in our desire, in our heart's desire to, to uh, love our neighbor as ourselves, it, it, it comes after God's investment of love in us. He loves us. He invests in us. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19, it says, You love, you love because God first loved you. He engaged with you. He redeemed you. He chased you. He loved you. He adopted you. And because of that, okay, because of that, we, as his body, as the followers of Jesus Christ, if you want to do a really amazing study that will blow your mind, actually go look up what it means to be the body of Christ, to be the church. The intense theological truth of what it means for me to be a part of. He's the head. We are the body. And what that means, he's adopted us into his family. We become the body of Christ. We died and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? It means that we, as the body of Christ, have a large job ahead of us to do what God has commanded us to do. We are... we. We are called to love and sacrifice. But here's the thing. Once again, we are called to love and sacrifice because he first loved and sacrificed for us. All of it comes. We respond to what we've been given. We have been given these things. It's like it's like you have this love in your hand and loves a light. And you think, well, I only have a certain amount to give out. It doesn't look very big. But the more you give, the brighter it becomes. The more love you give, the more you receive, the more, the brighter it becomes in your life. We are called by God to express and to share that love, to sacrifice and to give that kind of love to others. So the question is this. How does this powerful truth that I just expressed to you relate to um, adoption and orphan care, right? How, how, does it, how does it all come together? And we know we, it relates in love. We just said it. God first loved us so that we can... He first loved us. He poured into us so that we can express and extend that same kind of love that He pours into us to other people. First it comes here, then it goes here. But it's, it's, it, he's, he's given it to us. He's, he's, he has completely enveloped us in his love. And he's saying, there's so much to go around. It's endless. I want you to share it with other people. Now, the most vital thing that we can do is not always um, just um, opening up, if you will, opening our hearts and not just opening up our eyes or opening up our mind to all the needs that are around us. There are so many needs. So it's not just about that, but it's, it's, it's probably, the, the, probably the most radical, dynamic, powerful, all-encompassing thing that we can do to, is to open up our hands To be his hands, to be his feet, to open up our hands, to serve, to give, to give, to give, to love, to express that to God. That's how, you know, you want to see people come to know the Lord? 
You want to see people come to know Christ? Live, live the way He lived. Express love the way He expressed love. Sacrifice the way He sacrificed. He set the example. And we as Americans, especially we as Americans, okay, we have a responsibility before God to give back what He has given to us. Now, I've, over the years, I've heard so many people say to me, well, you know, the reasons for why they don't invest in orphans. And they say, it's just not my thing. I got other things that I do. That's not my thing. Well, let me, let me shock you this morning, okay? Here comes something shocking. It's God's thing. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I I defy you to read from Genesis to Revelation and find a more dominant theme in the Bible, okay, than, than our responsibility to take care of those who are defenseless, who cannot take care of themselves. I defy you to find more scripture on a subject, including Jesus' return, okay, which is the most, it's number one, okay, But I said more scripture. It is the most dominant theme in all of the Bible. And that theme is you, my children, need to defend those who cannot defend themselves. Why do you think we started business trees? Because we had nothing better to do as a church than go into business tree stuff, businesses. That's a lot of hard work. You know why? Because I lay in bed at night. It bothers me. The idea that there are children that are suffering and that are hurting and that feel like no one cares about them at all. Really, it, the, to say it bothers me isn't the... Uh, and I have a hard time sleeping sometimes. It bothers me so much. This is, you can't say this is not my thing. It's God's thing, which makes it your thing. Here's the thing. It is all Christians' thing. You can do a lot of other things within the body of Christ, but we are all called to do something. The idea of doing nothing for people who are orphaned, okay, and widows, is not acceptable to God. Now, what that is, we'll talk about this morning. But the idea of doing nothing, I'm telling you, please don't do that because God doesn't respond very well to it. We think sometimes, well, these kids are someone else's problem. Here's the thing. We, these kids aren't someone else's problem. As a matter of fact, they're not a problem at all. The Bible says that they are a precious gift of God. In Psalm 127, it says they're, they're the best gift. It says they're a reward. It talks about in the Bible that they're a blessing. These children are a blessing. And they're, and, and they're not just a blessing for those families that some people obviously get born into a really awesome family. He's not just talking about people who are born into a family who, who's willing to think about you that way. It, it encompasses all children. That's the way God thinks about every single child on this planet. They deserve that. They need to know, guys. They, they need to know that they're loved. They need, they need to know that. Knowing that someone loves you, I have found as a pastor that nothing is more powerful. Okay, nothing can overcome. You've been through abusive situations, whatever else. The only thing, the only thing in the universe that overcomes Everything that we've been through as human beings in our experience is love. Unconditional love. Period. You can go to, you can go to psychiatrists, psychi- psychologists, you can, go, you can read books, self-help, whatever you want. Okay? The number one, the only thing that can break through and overcome anything that we've ever been through 
is unconditional love. Someone, knowing that someone loves me, knowing that I belong, that I truly belong. You know, when I was in Nigeria in the last month, I got to go around and we did a lot of things and it was really cool. We were trying to set up business trees and, and one of the things I did I'd never done before, I went into one of the children's homes, had been a lot of children's homes, but they sat in a circle and that was normal. And they said, we're going to introduce ourselves and that was normal too. And I thought, well, that's going to be the normal kind of thing. That's cool. I get to see all the kids and get to know their names. Something happened that really profoundly affected me. They went around, they started, and the kids had to introduce themselves. And one kid said, my name is Sarah. And the, and the house parents, who are dynamic human beings, they said, Sarah who? And she said, Sarah Emanuel. Emanuel who? Emanuel Daniel. And they went through these names. And what they were doing is, for instance, if I set you guys up here and I said, you know, I said, uh, uh, you know, my name is Andy. And I would say, who? And he would say his father's name. And I would say, who? And he would say his grandfather's name. And I would say, who? And he'd go back as far as he could with his mother and father and his grandparents and everything. That would be normal. In this situation, these kids, most of them had very short lists. Which was so sad because in, in, in Africa, it, it, you know, it's, it is family, it is village, it is tribe, it is nation. You belong, okay? There's a, there's a village you belong to and a tribe that you belong to. And they get certain scars on their faces or certain, that, that tells you what tribe you belong to. It's identity. You know what, a lot of the kids, most of the kids in that room would give their name and then the name, the only other names they could give were the people who loved them, their house parents. And then if they went on past that, it was their, their, their child sponsor from the United States that sends them cards and gives them gifts and, and says how, tells them how much they love them. That, they use that name, they give their name and then it was the house parents name and then it was, it was absolutely incredible for me to watch. We need to feel children at any age, human beings at any age, need to know that they're connected to someone else, even if it's miles away. Miles away. When we went to visit, we have, I've, I've been sponsoring a child. I don't consider him my sponsored child anymore. I consider him part of my family. That's just me, okay? In our family, we, we've, we've taken that next step. And just this is for us. We've taken that next step. And I said to him, listen, he doesn't have a family. He doesn't have a village. He doesn't have a tribe. And I'll tell you why. Maybe in a couple, next couple of weeks. He doesn't have those things. And I told him, we're your tribe. We're, we're your clan. We're your village. We're your family. And I brought pictures and I showed him who his, who his sisters were and who his brother was and who his nephews and nieces were and who the, his brother-in-laws were. And, I, and we took pictures and we wrote names on them. And I said, this is, these are your people. Whether we live here in America, you belong to us. We're your people. And I, and I sat with him one-on-one. I let him know that in no uncertain terms. And not just when this is over, not just when the sponsors... I don't consider you a sponsored child. I consider you part of my family forever. That was me. That was We took that next step. You know why? Because of the intense relationship that I was in and, and that we've gotten to know him and we've part, we want to be him to be a part of our family. My, my reason in telling you that story is that it's not just some kid's name on a, a picture. You know, it's not a picture and a name on a card. For them, it matters so much when you write to them, you invest in them, you tell them how much you love them, and you tell them you know, how important they are. They feel that connection. So I guess I'll, I'll, end, I'll end with this. 
I want to encourage you this morning, whatever this means, whether Jen's going to describe a whole lot of things, but be on someone's list. Okay, when they go through, my name is Jeff, Jeff who? Be, be on, we should all be on someone's love list, if you will. So I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about our specific roles, each one of us, in caring for the vulnerable kids. Not everybody is going to be called to the same thing, and I think he mentioned that. Orphan Sunday is not just about adoption. We are all called and capable of doing something, but it's not going to look the same for everybody. And what I hope happens today is that every single person here leaves knowing what exactly their role is. And some of you will leave here today and start the adoption process and start the foster care process. I I truly believe that. But adoption and foster care are not just what Orphan Sunday is about. This is what Orphan Sunday is about. I want to read to you from Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And like he said, those of us who have been adopted into God's family, we are responsible for extending that same love to those who need it most. Matthew 10.8 says, freely you have received, so freely give. And that's kind of the big message here this morning. Freely you have received this gift of love and salvation, so freely give that. Excuse me. (coughs) Sorry. Finding your role is vital if we're going to take care of these kiddos because orphan care, like we're talking about, isn't just for a select few of God's chosen people. God has a divine purpose for every single person's life here. And that purpose includes taking care of those who cannot speak for themselves. And God has already, whatever's stirring in your heart, in your heart right now, God has already seen the fulfillment of that sacrifice and he has given you gifts and will continue to give you gifts in order to accomplish that purpose and that's everybody god is going to bring you to a place where those gifts and his holy spirit come together and they are anointed and his power is going to flow through you and through that anointing you will be equipped to do things that you thought you could never do on your own that's the beauty of the holy spirit and his calling and our willing gifts And that's how we fight against Satan's plan to destroy these kids. We recognize our role and we understand that whatever that role is, it is vital and it is important in order to accomplish the purpose. I want to read 2 Corinthians 12. This is what he was talking about, the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can not say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seemed weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And if the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care, so we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to 
those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. There are a lot of adoptive and foster families in our church, and we're introducing two things this fall. The first is our care communities, and the second is our connect group. So the care communities are made up of you, the church, coming around and alongside and foster or adoptive family and supporting their family in a myriad of different ways. Foster children need more than a roof over their head, just like any kid in any family. They need love and hope and consistency and nurturing and accountability. So the way that the church can meet this need head on is first, all of us being aware of the statistics that he was talking about and through that breeding more foster families and second is an engineered care community of people like all of you surrounding these foster families and keeping them fostering longer and stronger and that occurs within the context of the body of christ where both accountability and encouragement are the sustaining factors nationally 50 percent of foster families will quit after their first placement or after the first year. Most of the time it's because they feel isolated and they feel unsupported. But we have, it's been proven that when a care community comes around that family, 90% of those families will stay fostering. And that's staggering. Just shows you how important it is to come around people and support them and let them know that you are part of this. You are in this with them. So within each care community are four different roles. The family helper, the child mentor, the team leader, and the prayer warrior. <coughs> tonight, if you want to come back tonight, we're going to break down these roles, get you a little packet, and I'm going to explain exactly what each role means, where your gifts fit in to these roles. It doesn't matter what you are gifted at. You may be awesome at tutoring or yard work or organizing things or making yummy meals or spreadsheets or playing Yahtzee or being a grandma. Whatever it is, whatever your gift is, there is a way to support the foster family and at the same time be supporting that foster child. So that's, if you want to be involved in that, come back tonight. We're going to dive really deep into that, um, along with a couple other stuff we're doing. The second is the connect group. This is a place for adults who are adoptive parents, birth parents, adoptees, and foster parents. This is a place to come together to find support for everything that the the ups and downs of of what this uh, process can bring. It's a place to connect, to encourage each other, someone to say, I get it, you're not crazy, you can emotionally eat all the Doritos that you want, it's totally normal, it's fine, because you're in that place with them. So if you're interested in adoption and foster care and you want to connect with other families, we would love to do that outside of this group. But this is a place for people who are walking that road right now. So whether you are an adoptive parent who you guys have finished your home study and you're just waiting on your first placement, or whether you have grown adopted children who are out of the house, you're welcome to join us. Foster parents, whether you have a placement or not, you're welcome to join us. And birth parents and adoptees also welcome to join us. We're going to be meeting the first Monday of every month um, at our house at 630. So if you are interested in this, um, you want to get involved with this you can email me half of it's on that screen my email right there in the bottom but it's 
not, we can't read it. So um, my email is, should be in the bulletin. So you can find that or you can talk to me after the service um, and I can give you all the details. And then if you guys see in your bulletin, you should have an insert in there. And it's basically for you to kind of reflect on with this service. It says, what are you going to do basically for the vulnerable kids? And there's some options there. One of them on there is prayer warrior. And I cannot stress how important it is to start and finish and all the way through cover orphan care with prayer. So if you have decided, if God is stirring in your heart, I need you to be a prayer warrior. I need you to be a prayer warrior. And you want to step into that. We have created prayer guides that you can take home with you and use daily basis, weekly basis, whatever your commitment is. It's a one-hour prayer guide. It has scripture to meditate on and very specific prayer requests. It has a place where you can go and pray over the children who are in Ohio right now who are waiting to be adopted. You can pray over them by name that God would stir up someone to step into their life and bring them into their family. So if that's something you're interested in, we have those prayer guides again tonight. Um, we're going to be starting at 6.30 tonight here. So if that's something you're interested in, please come back and join us for that. We're going to try to get um, a little even more practical in some of the things that we can do. A lot of you remember the swap wall that we had back here for years. And then we, we um, redesigned the church and everything. We're trying to figure out the best place for a swap wall. Well, we put one up outside here. And swap means... Um, we've sacrificing with a purpose swap sacrificing with a purpose swap is like above and beyond our normal giving. Um, it's, it's not just about, well, I've got the resources. I'm going to sponsor a child or I've got the resources. I'm going to help pastor Jeff start this business in Nigeria that will help sponsor a child. It's, it's literally thinking through what can I give up? Can I give up something I want? To make sure someone else has something they need. So for example, um, you, if we needed chickens, you can give up, a, a kid could give up an ice cream cone. They decide they want to go to Grater's. You know what? I'm not going to go to Grater's. I'm going to sit and watch you guys eat ice cream. I want to take my money that you would have spent on Grater's and I want to give it and buy a chicken. Um, so it's giving up something you want to make sure someone else has something they need. So think about it. How many lattes do you drink a week? times how many days are in that month could you sacrifice that for a period of time um could you sacrifice a vacation for uh, you know i've taken three vacations you take two um whatever it is for you whatever the holy spirit lays on your heart but it's the idea of sacrificing something that you would normally do that you would normally desire and to 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 give someone else something they need like food or education or or health care some things in health care all those things well One of the main things we're going to do right now is we want to get all the children in Nigeria who are in the HOPE program who are older children going through like high school and college and also the little children in the children's home. We want to get them all sponsored, all right, to be their sponsor. We want to be able to take, there's a bunch of kids out there, their faces are on the wall. Um, To sponsor a child, it's $100. 
Um, but what we can do is if you can, if you have that, you can sponsor a child for $100 a month. That would be awesome. Um, maybe two of you get together and say, oh, I can't really afford 100 but I know if I sacrifice this, I can come up with 50 Well, then two of you can do that and do 250s, 100 Now you're sponsoring that child to get to do it together as a team. Or you say, well, I don't even have that much, but I could give 10 or 25 on the back of the, of the kid's face, there's uh, back-to-back ministries has a website where you go on the website and you find your child on there and you would say, okay, I want to sponsor this child for $50 or $100. You take it off the wall, you take it home, you go online, you sponsor that child. If you can only do $5 or $10 or $25, you can give, um, you can give to back-to-back specifically, okay, um, and that will go directly to that that particular uh, or that particular um, home, okay, or that particular child, even if it's a, a smaller amount. There's a there's a program we have there that goes. It's not the general fund. What's it called? My mind just went blank. Um, but I'll, I'll get it before the service is over. I'll be standing over there and I'll tell you where to go online and where specifically to give. All right. Um, but that's just the way to do it. So you go to the wall, you take it off the wall, you turn it over, you look, you, you say, okay, go online. I can give 100, I can give 50, I can give 25, whatever it is. And that'll partially or completely sponsor that particular child. One other thing I want to throw out this morning, I, I didn't do it in the first service, but I'm going to do it to you. Um, when I was there, there were three different business opportunities, business trees that we can invest in. One of them is called Net Access. We bought a company, a technology company in Nigeria about a year ago, and they are killing it. They are doing such an amazing job. They are the number one Internet access company in the state. Okay. Um, they're looking to develop hotspots. They have a huge tower they can now connect to to get even more widespread. So they have the tower they can connect to, but they need hotspots. In order for them to put those hotspots in place, we need about ten dollars or $15,000 more to buy the equipment necessary so they can, they can expand out. Now, what I would, I'm going to say to them, I talked to them when I was there, is that we will invest the money in the company that we own a part of, our ready. We will invest that money, but we want the money, we want a portion of that money, a percentage of that money to go directly to sponsor these children. So that comes from sales, not profits, from sales. Whatever comes out of those sales will go to sponsor those children, and that'll be ongoing. So we can do it individually, but as the body of Christ, we can raise ten or fifteen thousand dollars, buy the buy the equipment necessary for those hotspots. The guys who run this company are exceptional entrepreneurs, absolutely amazing, and they're like I said, they're killing it over there. So if we invest that much capital, we can then that will be a long term long term giving program for um, the Destiny House, one of our children's homes there. So if you're a business person or if you have the resources that you want to invest with me in this project, talk to me afterward. Is that all clear? I get everything? Did I? I think so. All right, good. All right. Jason, let's go see your room. What do you think? We kept it a little spare, so you can decorate it how you like. Dinner! Hello? Excellent. Soccer is fun. Yeah, I saw you guys out there. We're in the family. We're in the family. Help them out, help them out. Yeah! Oh,
So my daughter, Layla, and I, we have this um, thing that we say to each other. We said since she was a little itty-bitty baby, um, is I belong to you, and you belong to me, and we belong together. And it was so cute when she couldn't say together. It's still cute, but she would be like, gah, gah, gah. Um, anyway, I think what I have learned from our experience, my experience in this, is that Surrender is dangerous. There is this great fear of what is going to happen when you say yes to what God is asking you to do. But there is the biggest rush when you intentionally step in to that unknown space because you start to see what God is actually asking you to do and he's asking you to join him. When we were leaving the hospital with Layla... I felt this like overwhelming love and joy and this little stranger became mine like the second I saw her. It was exactly like how it was with the other kiddos, my biological kids. The second I saw her, she belonged to me. But I struggled a lot um, when we were leaving her birth mom. It's a great, it was a beautiful moment praying together, but when we left that room, I just had this, like, how can this be the right thing? Because every instinct inside of me was telling me that mothers and babies, they belonged together, and there was this nagging emotion that I was doing something wrong, even though I wasn't. I was, I was being obedient, and I was, I was saying yes to something. And it probably took me a year, I know it took me a year to realize that it was okay to feel like Layla was supposed to be mine from the beginning of time. Like we were, we were meant to be together, that we belonged together, that there was this plan and it was that I was her mom and she was my daughter and that was it. And at the same time, feel all of that and be able to mourn that this wasn't what it was supposed to be. And I think that God's greatest idea is families, right? He created it so that moms and dads love him and love each other and love their kids. But we're in a fallen world, and that is not how it always looks, right? But he loved us so much that he didn't say, all right, humanity, well, you screwed that up. So good luck figuring it out. I guess you just, I don't know, good luck. He created redemption plans for everything that we every amazing beautiful thing that he has created and we have messed up he has created a redemption plan in order to bring it back into something beautiful right so after about a year i was still weighed down by this emotional conflict and i realized that whenever i would go to god i would tell him why i was feeling the way that i was feeling and then i finally stopped and i asked god why why am i feeling two completely opposite emotions at the exact same time why do i feel this way why why can't i escape this feeling and he said because this is redemption and redemption is messy and scary and painful sometimes look at my greatest redemption plan the cross okay my greatest redemption plan was the cross messy scary painful tragic but what did you gain from that redemption plan salvation wholeness friendship with the creator of the universe an eternal family right 
so yes, redemption is going to look messy and it's going to be painful and it's going to to be tragic in some circumstances and it's going to be incredibly inconvenient, incredibly inconvenient. But it is also walking with God in one of his redemption plans is like a veil lifted, a gateway into some of the most beautiful, matchless, true joy that you will never experience anywhere else. And this is one reason why The church needs to rehearse and rejoice in the grand story of redemption over and over and over again. Because not only is redemption the grand story of the universe, it is also our story. And it is what will move us out of our comfort and out of our convenience and into a missional mindset of how to join in that grand story of redemption. One of the best ways to experience the promises of God is to co-labor with him in his purposes of restoration. So I want to take a minute, if you guys just close your eyes, bow your heads, just, just to reflect. Ask yourself right now, what is my role? Ask God right now, what, it, what, am I, what is my role? What are my marching orders? It's time that we stop making excuses and we start making plans. There are so many children who need to experience God's love and so many kids who will not understand the love of a father because they have no context for the love of a father. They don't know what it is like to be loved by a good dad. They can't see themselves as a treasured son or daughter because they are not a son or daughter. When you start to think that this task ahead of you, whatever's stirring in your heart, is too overwhelming, it's too much, I can't do it, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough whatever, I want you to remember that God is bigger than the task ahead of you. His love is greater than the task ahead of you. And when you're in it, when you say yes today and you start walking in it and you realize how difficult it is, he's your anchor. So I woke up this morning thinking of this story that this woman told at the CAFO conference, which is a Christian Alliance for Orphans conference I went to a few months ago. She um, was sharing her, her story. She's in her 50s, 60s. She said, let's see if I can get through it. She said, when I was about four years old, my mom took me to the train station. We were going on a train ride. She was very excited. They've never been on a train. And then... She sat me down in the seat and gave me a little cloth with rice and an egg in it and then said, you're going on this train by yourself and your uncle will meet you at the stop. And she didn't understand that. She didn't know why her mom was going to leave her on the train. And she said when the train started leaving, I was looked at my mom out the window and I was yelling, are you going to come and find me? Do you promise to come and find me? So hours later, the train stops and she gets off the train and there's nobody there for her. She's four years old. There's no one there, no uncle, no family, no person, nobody. So she waits there, starts getting dark out, nowhere to go, nobody to take care of her. So she finds this cart and hides behind it because she's scared and she doesn't know what to do. 
And she sits down and she takes the little cloth and she eats the rice and she eats the egg. And then she lays down to go to sleep and she puts the little cloth on her face because it smells like her mom. And she spends the next few years on the streets experiencing every kind of abuse and trauma that you can imagine or identify. Sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. And at one point, her tiny little body just gives up and she just collapses in the street. And somebody walking by sees her and scoops her up and takes her to the dump and leaves her in a pile of trash because that's what they saw her as, a piece of garbage on the street. And she's laying there in this pile of trash and a woman who was a nurse and a missionary at the time was walking from one clinic to her other clinic where she took care of infants and babies. That was her mission. That was she, what she did every day, take care of these babies. And she saw her in this pile of trash and she stopped and she bent down over her. She saw that she was, this little girl was still alive, this tiny little girl. And every, she wanted to help her, but she had this, okay, I, gotta, I have so many babies I'm taking care of. We're only set up for babies at my clinic. There's thousands of kids out here who need somebody to be their person, to advocate for them. I can't take every kid I walk past. I just got to I got to put my blinders on and go where I'm supposed to go. And as she as she stood up over this little girl and turned to walk away, she said her feet were cemented to the ground. She could not walk away from this little girl and she heard God say, She's not garbage. She's mine. So she scooped out this girl and carried her back to the clinic and nursed her back to health. And sometime after that, there was a couple who came from America to adopt one of the babies in this clinic. And so all of the little kids and the toddlers and babies were all lined up. And there was this girl who was a little older in this line. And the dad walks past all these babies and kids and walks right over to her and stands over her and she said he was the biggest man I'd ever seen and he crouched down and he put his hand on her face and she said I wanted to slap it away and hold it there forever at the same time and she said I just I did the only thing I could think to do which was spit on him (laughs) she said and the spit didn't go far it laid it on his shoes so But he saw me, the amount of people who never saw her, and God had two people who stopped and saw her, and they adopted this girl instead of the baby they came for, and they took her into their family, and now she's speaking nationally, internationally at conferences, sharing her testimony of how people stopped and saw her and said, You are known and you are loved by God. She understood the love of a father because she had someone step in and show her the love of a father. 
And it is our incredible privilege and responsibility as the body of Christ to make sure that every single child, we're, we're talking about foster care and domestic adoption. That stuff is vital. That stuff is important. That stuff is radical and life-changing. But it, there are also kids right now where it is life and death for them. Okay? Life and death. That's the stakes right now. We have to step up and meet those needs so those kids can survive. It's going to become nighttime in probably like four hours, right? The sun goes down so early. But it's going to get dark, and you guys are going to sit in your house. Me too. We're all going to be in our homes. We're going to turn on our lights, and we're going to get into our beds and then go to sleep in our comfortable beds. And there are millions of kids all around the world. When they see the sun start to go down, it's panic. It's, whoa, i got to find a place to go. I have to find somewhere to hide. I don't want to get kidnapped. I don't want to get abused. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want not. This is what we're talking about, okay? It is important that every child survives and then thrives knowing that God is good. He is a good father and that they are loved by him. Amen? Why don't you stand with us? We're going to sing this song as we close just reflecting that he is good he sings this over all of his children